Whether it's riding with new people you met on the platform or just riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer in your garage or pain cave. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from. And every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, or even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sights and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, hey, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I can still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and even time trials. Right now, you can join the funnest fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik, and just off the three-week stint as a commentator in the Tour de France, Mr. Jens Volkt. Jens, how is freedom feeling right now? It is pretty good. Um, my son's birthday just this week. Um, we had a river cruise planned after the Tour de France finished. So the kids have a pretty long to-do list in their school holidays and we're slowly ticking box by box. River cruise is done, birthday party or my son is done. He's 22 years old. So it was a busy but an absolutely fantastic week. You know, I think everyone around the world right now is like on that uh, Tour de France meltdown, letdown, like, oh, gosh, what do we do? But the thing about the Tour de France, uh, watching it, not racing it, it's just like what happened to the month of July? You know, June, July, I mean, now we're off. You know, kids are going to be going back to school here pretty soon. It's just, it's just amazing how important and how great of a race that was this year that it just encompassed you know everything so um yeah it's gonna it's back to life back to reality we can maybe cut it out later but here here we go so to overcome this uh, tour de france withdrawal syndromes on monday i did listen to bob geldof and the boomtown rats i don't like mondays five times in a row <laughs> well Yenzi. There is one cure for the post-Tour de France hangover. You know what that is? Don't tell me, go on a go on, get on the bike myself, because that is not going to work for me. No, the Olympics are here. We, you... we go from the Tour de France, and now we get to be entertained by the best athletes in the world during the Olympics. And with that in mind, we sat down with Christina Vogel, who was an Olympic champion herself, 11-time world champion, and one of the most interesting interviews I think we've ever done. I mean, Olympic champion, um, now had a, had a terrible crash and is paralyzed, and you could not hear one bit of difference in her voice. I mean, she is the most inspirational, energetic, positive person going through everything that she had to go through and is going through. And she's just moving on with her life. She's finding other ways to help people, to motivate people, to inspire people. And I just loved this interview. So sit back, relax, 
and listen to Christina Vogel. Christina, we are so grateful and thank you that you gave us a little bit of your time because I believe your time is precious. Not only have you been one of your most successful athletes, 11-time world champion, two Olympic gold medals, one of the most accomplished track sprinters we ever had, especially in Germany, and now on our podcast. So, Christina, from where are you joining us tonight? Um, I'm joining us from, from Erfurt. That's my hometown. Yeah, it's quite in the middle of Germany. Yeah. And we learned that you have been born in Kyrgyzstan. I don't even know how to pronounce mm -hmm. it in proper English. Um, so <laughs> at what age did you come to Germany? What age did you ever had your first bike? Can you remember that? And when did you actually fall in love with cycling? Yeah. Um, I come back to Germany when I was a half year old. Um, my grandma flew about the World War and then um, the past past times after that. Um, so my mother was born in Kyrgyzstan and I am too. And um, when the um, yeah, war was fallen in Germany, um, I was allowed to go back to um, back to Germany as well. So um, I was a half year old when I'm coming back. Um, so still nothing remember about Kyrgyzstan or Kyrgyzstan. However, um, I get my I got my first bike oh my god it's ages ago uh I think when I was six six so I've learned in a kindergarten to drive how to drive ride a bike and I got my first bike when I was six but I have to share it with my um with my younger sisters I have three younger sisters um because we wasn't that yeah rich and um yeah bikes are expensive and Then when I have decided to join in a cycling club, I got my very first own bike when I was 10 years old. That is such a good story because it's precisely like mine. I had to share my bikes with yeah. my brother. Dad just painted it when it got passed on to me. Dad just painted it. No. And I got my first bike for myself from my first cycling team. Exactly the same. Typical yeah. East German yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, typically it's true. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to say, Yenzi, knowing you uh, as long as I have, you know, like, hey, was this was this bicycle a gift or did it come from the East German sports school? You know, us as Americans, we have a little bit more of that um, romantic uh, introduction to the bike. But I, I remember, you know, we always had that joke, Jens, of, you know, once you went off to sports school, like that you were in room number 11 and Zabel was in room number 12 and it was just this factory of, of people. But when you said that you had three younger sisters, are they, uh, were they at all in, intrigued by, by cycling? The older one, all of my younger sister, Sabine, she started with me, but after a half year, yeah, almost the half year, um, she quit. So, um, she's not that sporty type of person. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, what what is a sporty type of person being? So so you were born in 1990. So say like in you know 96 to 2000, um, what was it that just said, hey, not only do I just want to ride a bike around, um, I want to actually see where I can go with this. Um, the funny thing is in my. Uh elementary school so it's in the fourth class i was um there was a poster hanging which was standing uh riding et to home so when i try to translate it in english and so i never saw this uh, movie et but i found that poster really really funny so um i've decided to go to my first training uh, session by bike and then it was like We was riding rounds and rounds and rounds on a sand ground, so on a red sand ground, kind of a um, athletics uh, track. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the good and old uh, track and track and field, 400 meters track and field on made yeah. out of red ashes. Yeah, like in the yeah. old style Olympics. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, kind of, kind of East East Germany style. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and. Um, I was there with my Jeep first, very own bike, and 
it was that, that I always wanted to be the first and uh, I always wanted to get some compliments of my coach. <laughs> so I've tried to push as fast as I can. And of course, I was 10. So um, doing sports in this age, I think when you have friends around, when just having fun, I was never someone who started in discipline um, and wanted directly to be an Olympic champion. So um, this idea of being Olympic champion once that grows with me day by day and year by year. I remember these days on the old uh, track. And when you go fast enough, your back wheel starts to slip when you pedal, right? <laughs> Maybe not at the age of 10, but at least when you're like 11 or 12 years old. At least later. Yes, then yeah. it starts sliding. And it's, it's a sketchy feeling. I remember that. I didn't feel too comfortable about it. So when did you then ever see your first proper track with like higher curves and, and everything? Um, in 2000, oh my God, six, five, no, in the autumn 2005, um, we had an, uh, in my country, so I was born in state two, no, I'm living in Thuringer state, one of the 16 states of, uh, Germany is Thuringen. And, um, there was some selection, uh, selection or Landesmeisterschaft, so the states, um, states championships. And I had to do the, the track cycling championships. And I was directly the state champion in all endurance things and all endurance, um, all the sprint disciplines, which was now totally crazy, but because I'm really a sprinter, not the endurance people. So, um, and then my first cons, was thinking, oh, May, May, she is talented. Let, let us go to a uh, selection race for the national team. And then I was driving from Zomada, which is close by airport, to Stuttgart, which was kind of when I would fly now from airport to you, to, um, to North South Carolina. <laughs> so it was like, oh, my God, leaving this world. And um, with my first selection race for national team, I got directly selected. So um, I won the 500 meter time trial and I was fifth in sprint. And I just remember when I entering this track, it is a 250 meter wood track. There has been big um, world championships in this track. So it's a, it was really a big thing um, for tracks, all the track peoples um, to be in Stuttgart. And I was so flashed about these these walls and these uh, track and how this metal was and seeing people are running fast. And then I was asking my coach, hey coach, should I go here left like home or right? <laughs> so, cause I didn't know, is it everyone the same? Is every track the same? Always left or am I right? So I didn't know it. <laughs> It's always left. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Not being a track person, I would have had that same question and I probably would have gone the, the wrong way around on the track. But <laughs> so, so now, now you're, you're on the national team and you're starting to move into more of a specific um, event. You know, like that was pretty awesome that you said you won the endurance events as, as well as the, the other harder, shorter, faster events. But at that age, is it just something that's ingrained in you that, hey, um, I'm going to learn this and go quicker and go faster? Or was it just like you had that much talent that it was just obvious that that was going to be your discipline? Was Were you able to choose at that time? Or was it just um, more your natural ability that kind of guided you to, you know, being where you where you are, the, the, the heights that you reached? What I have seen is that I'm really talented. So, of course, doing a um, little bit of these sprint training session or sprint um, discipline training, um, I saw directly that um, yeah, my body change and I go faster and faster. So, of course, um, I think being a double Olympic champion means that I'm kind of talented, of course. Um, and then I choose to leave my hometown and go to airport to the sports school and yeah moving out with the year year of 14 so my poor poor mama poor mama um and then of course it's these kind of what can you say the east germany style of training so always going hard um doesn't matter is it raining or it's minus minus degrees so just you go outside and um you train hard so and that while i was keeping 
till the end. So um, I would want a person, I always was the person which trained the most, sometimes more than the boys. And then it comes together. You see, you have to train hard, of course. And you see when you're training hard, um, you get, you get getting better and the results are coming. So, and then it's making fun, of course. So winning, always making fun, huh? And there was directly bragging all these German records in the juniors and cadet years. And, um, then there was first time at the junior European championships and the first time at the junior world championship and it was like, okay, may I can do that and may I can win it. And um, when I do something about it, am I training hard? Yeah, I can achieve it. So um, so what I mean, I always was a person who grew up with the sport and grew up with with the um, goals I may could have or may could reach. Just uh, because I have been through the same thing, living uh, you know, at the sports school, living at the dorms. Um, and for me, uh, as a boy um, in... 85 it was pretty tough to fight out the pecking order against the older athletes and other sports um, the first three months were pretty tough and brutal really honestly brutal like we had a bunch of fist fights with the older ones they want to put you in your place um, like you know fighting out the pecking order we, we literally did that um, and every time you know I, I, I went home for the weekend My mom was crying at the at the train station when I had to leave, and I wanted to cry, yeah. but I could see my dad going, "No, boys, don't cry. You don't cry. You don't cry. Boys, don't cry." How was that for you, like being away from home for the first time at the age of fourteen? I remember when we packing all my all my room together, and my mother helps me, um, and then I just wanted to say goodbye. Hey, bye, mama. We seeing us on Friday, and she was crying, and I just. The first thing I was, oh, mama, come on. So, hey, <laughs> why are you crying? So, um, but then it always has been the business. So, um, of course, I'm missing home. And of course, I um, wanted to be how much as possible at home. But it was always the business. So, um, I know from the beginning that I have to do it if I want to be successful and if I want to grow up in a sport and going, getting better and better. So I have to do it. So, um, that I was never so sad to go home or go back then to the sports school or even when we, I am was in training camps. So, yeah. I'm just always surprised how, um, you know, hearing all your stories, Jens, and how, how it seemed to be, you know, so serious at those Uh, German sports schools and you know you're surrounded by other athletes was there ever a question about the sport that you chose was there ever another sport that you were interested in besides cycling or was cycling you knew right away that that was your destiny no I was directly falling in love with ET in this poster <laughs> and I am a 160 meter high girl so totally sprint girl I don't think that there is any other discipline I could do the same like I did track cycling. Um, and then it always kicks me that track cycling is more than just cycling for me. Uh, there is these yeah, kind of woman against woman or men against men or kind of these these um, check play. So I always saying that track cycling is for me pushing the roller coaster by your own. So like driving off the roller coaster, but pushing it by your own while you're playing check. So um, it is in full gas body's discipline, but at the same time, at the same level, um, you your mind have to be totally focused. And um, that's what I fall directly in love. And there is no other discipline, which uh, it's, yeah, it's, you can combine or it's kind of that what track cycling is. Uh, I must say we had recently, we had Anna Mears as a guest and she said mm -hmm. something similar, like not exactly ah, the words, really. but something similar, like, yeah. You have to be physically really strong, but not always yeah. the strongest wins. Sometimes the one that plays the game yeah. a little better wins, yes. And so in 2012, after, you know, 15 or how many German titles and European titles and world championships, you're winning the first Olympic um, medal. You mm. raced with um, Pendleton and Anna Mears. Did you ever look up to them or you never had time to do that and went, no, I just want to be them. I have no time to make them my heroes. I want to be them. Or did you sometimes look to them and like, wow, yeah, one day I want to be like them. 
Of course, when you being the first time at an elite level and the first time you're riding against any mirrors, um, yeah, can I say you piss literally in your pants? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> of course. So. Um, maybe we beat that out. <laughs> No, but um, of course, there are these superheroes in your sport and you small little Christina, you now have to ride against them. Of course, you pissed in your pants, yeah? And um, But just you have to play in this poker face, you know? Because like what she said, I said that you have playing this this mind, mind game as well. Um, and then it was for me super exciting to win against uh, these big superheroes, you know? Um, and before I didn't believe that I could beat them once or once in my lifetime. And then you grow up, I grow up and then you and you're an rival or opponent, which the same kind of say Augenhöhe, the same, the same level. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. And you are being of course proud of yourself and, um, to be in the same level, like these big, big, big athletes and female track cycling is, um, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. One of the things, again, not being a, a track person in any way, shape or form, I love watching the, the track races. I used to go to the world championships when I was a junior, anytime I could, I love watching the Olympics. You know, when you guys are on the start line and you know, it is going to be an anaerobic and strategic battle. I see you guys like kind of just really pumping your fists and really psyching yourselves up. What goes through your head? Like where, where are you drawing that power, that, that tenacity, that, that fierceness from, um, is it, is it thinking about your opponent or do you have like, you know, just a memory that puts you into that zone? Um, because I'm sure not every person that you race against, you, you want to just, you know, destroy, but you know, you have to beat them to win. No, you want to, you have to destroy them. So, um, in track cycling, we have to choose a number because, um, in sprint, um, when you choose the one, you have to, um, to be in the first position, the first half, half lap or three. And when you're sitting there in these, yeah, coaching or selecting zone, um, I was, I was searching of every anger I have in my body. So I was thinking about, ah, I have to do it. I have to do it. Push yourself. I know your legs are burning, but how you to say, shut up, legs. <laughs> yeah. We have to go. We have to go. Um, and then I have to always put my poker face in. And yeah, now, now I can say it because I'm retired. Fake it until you make it. So fake and the two make it just looks like you have to look like anger and everyone is like oh my god she's angry so who better than messing up with her so yeah fake it until you make it <laughs> fantastic it's good that you use it in this way lovely so you had about uh, seven world titles between uh, london and rio we must say you must have been one of the or the dominating sprinter, right? I mean, a keyring team sprint, individual sprint. What was the source of that? You think it's just talent or a combination of working hard, being smart, having the right coaches around you? What made you the dominant sprinter of this generation? Yeah, I was almost unbeated till that time. Um, which the pressure is really high on your shoulder um, when you're on this level. Um, I think it's uh, everything about it. Of course, I am was talented, but I was training every day really, really hard and um, maybe harder than everyone else and sometimes harder than the men's. And there is no short way to be successful. So if you want to just keep your ass so and go for us. Um, and then of course i had here and there some some luck so um luck is also a thing you need um i always say that yeah kieran could sometimes a bitch <laughs> so ride her hard otherwise she will ride your heart and uh, you need luck of that sometimes so um but yeah being talented and doing really 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 hard training but i think it's nothing different for you both you know um if you want to be successful you have to kick your ass. So there is no short way. I would say there is one, but there is no. 
But but quite often, um, when when somebody gets to the pinnacle, you know, when someone is Olympic champion, they kind of like say, "Hey, you know, I've been there. I've I've done that." But was was the first gold medal a joy and then the second one a relief or was it pretty much kind of the same feeling obviously there was four years in between and you had mega mega success but you just talked about that pressure and that that's a long time to deal with that pressure and your almost undefeated streak that you mentioned um in london 2012 i was 21 years old brand new in these olympic games um models and it was kind of a surprise that we win so maybe it is how we have won um miram and i am she was my teammate we have been then the uh, surprising world champion part four months ago um then surprising olympic champion because uh everyone was betting with the with the medal but not with the gold medal and um yeah we was these underdog olympic champion winner and then it was totally different and may i needed my accident so a few years later to realize that um i was so stupid because i was winning this gold medal i losing my literally i losing my saddle you know i am the first olympic cycling champion without a saddle <laughs> um i achieved the best i ever could so i am the first female olympic uh, champion track uh, in cycling in germany at all um and then i was driving sawing olympic champion just having fun and joy and then change to poo i'm done it so i'm done it good i'm done it so um that it just took me five minutes of joy and then directly the the pressure comes back that um i thought that i have to do more and more and more and i when i just being the second once that all the world is saying mm, maybe she have achieved her, her level and now she's going down better she would quit um it was always that I thought that I could lose something, but I, won, I have won so many things in my career, and it's so stupid that I needed my accident to realize that. But if, if, if I, uh, before we talk about uh, the accident, one, one yeah. more question. Now, the way you, you, you uh, talk, um, were you happy in your career? Or it was the job, you were good at your job, you got paid for it, and it gave you um, acknowledgement from from fans mm -hmm. and family. Were you happy? Was that what you wanted to do? Or you felt the pressure, okay, I'm good at it, I don't like it too much, it, it kills me, it makes me crazy with the pressure, but I have to do it? Or were you happy all the way? Um, I have been happy most most of the way. I had yeah, training was was fun for me, and I had a good company, a good training group. Um, I had and uh, so we had fun. And of course, winning makes fun, and you seeing how how fast your body can go, you know, and how much wave you can you can do by squats in in the gym. So um, that's fantastic. But I always when I had a bad day, which It's just normal because you're not a machine, you know. I was, was pushing myself. I was thinking, no, I have to do more and more and more. Maybe it was the last time that I am the world champion, the Olympic champion. So I have to go do more and more and more. So I um, never give my body a moment of yeah losing and or calming down because I always want to push them. Go, go, go. We have to go. Otherwise, we're losing. And this makes you year for year um yeah it's really hard you know and the last year um i remember the world championships in 2018 which was my has been my last world championship i was mentally dead so really dead i was there maybe being the um first female track cyclist But I could win 12 uh, world titles, so um, all the media wanted that, uh, all the teammates wanted that. When I was entering the track, I saw that everybody was just looking at me and um, want to see that I'm falling down these, these days. And yeah, I win there the 10th and 11th um, world title and I wasn't happy. I really wasn't happy. So I knew that beginning that I have to push my, my ass till the Olympic Games in Tokyo and then I could 
not doing this longer um, because I was so in these, you know, so in these machines, so in the system that um, I just forgot kind of why I'm doing sport and um, that I'm happy and having fun while I'm doing this. The Tour de France is over, but if you are still looking to hone your form, don't worry, Outside Plus has you covered. Bobby and myself are both members and get to enjoy training plans, exclusive gear discounts, entry to cycling events and more, including access to premium content from other outside publications like Velo News, Trail Runner, Yoga Journal, Backpacker and Peloton Magazine. All in all, it's $350 worth of value for just $99. But if you enter our special coupon code, BobbyJens25, at checkout, you will get another 25% off. Go to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter BobbyJens25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout to receive our special 25% discount. Now, back to our chat with Christina. In 2017 and 2018, you were double world champion, you know, at the peak of your career. And then in, in the summer of 2018, you were training in Germany and you had an accident. To our listeners that don't know, um, what do you remember about that accident? And, you know, what actually happened? Because, you know, obviously it was a major turning point in your in your life in your career and i think it would be better just to hear it from from your from your mouth yeah. um the 26th of june 2018 so as well um a date i never forget or will never forget um i did um team sprint um, session so the girl before me just as a rider as a team and then she go out and I just sprint the last last meters to the finish line and she went out I pushed myself just to the last sprint um, the last meters and then it was black a few seconds I woke up um, lying on the um, track and was thinking oh my god not again so I knew this one is bad. Um, and then you see directly all the people coming running to you and how they are running and how the faces are have been I knew this is really bad. So and um then what all all athletes or all cyclists do is wearing your helmet off and wearing your shoes off. And I had to explain them how they could wear off my shoes because you know Every shoe has its own closing and opening system. So I have to to explain how my city shoes go, go off. And in next second, I realized that the person just run, was running away with my shoes in his hand. And I was noticed, oh my God, I didn't feel that he was at my feet at all. And I remember that Maximilian Levy just was holding my neck because I was lying kind of downstairs in the track. And I was saying to him, hey, Max, I would never can walk again. And he was, no, 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 may we see it. Um, you don't know what happened and all. So just wait for the doctors and then may. And I was realized, no, Max, I will never, ever walk again. And then they um, brought me to the hospital and flew me from Cottbus to Berlin, um, which was fantastic because they had a special um, spinal, spinal, um, spinal cord injury um, area in this hospital. And two days later, I walk up of the, out of the coma. And of course, the first question was, can I walk or not? So um, at this moment, I couldn't, uh, couldn't read because I had all these pumps and things in my mouth and my nose um, for breathing. So I was asking the question with my, with my fingers, just how walking or not. And of course, the answer was one not. And it has been for me always these, okay, This is now the zero level, and from now on we can go on. So um, I remember that before they bring me to to Berlin, that my boyfriend entered the um, the zone where they make me ready for for the flight with the helicopter, and I was saying to my boyfriend Michael, I quit. 
I quit. Because I know this accident is so hard and I don't have so much power to um, get my, bike, my back or my ass back on the bike. So I knew that is too heavy. I can't, I can't do that anymore. So I can't do it. And yeah, I was right, you know. Um, maybe the good or bad thing as an athlete, so I was 18 years in competing athlete, is now that you knowing your body exactly. So I knew exactly I would, could never walk again. So maybe it gives me kind of time to to realize that. And if the doctors say I'm paralyzed, that I knew, okay, from now on, this is now, and now we can go, go further. So how, how long did you spend in hospital? How, how long did it take you to get used to, to wheelchair, find an apartment that fits for you? Did you have a team that helped you, friends, family? I mean, that's mm -hmm. crucial in a time like that, right? Uh, so, so who was close to you? Who helped you? And, and, and how did you find your place in life uh, for now? Um, there was a press, um, how can I say in English? Um, it was forbidden to uh, to write anything about me in all the media things and all my friends and family was forbidden to say anything outside to the media that I had time just to find myself again. And um, I need that really because um, I think the first one and a half, two weeks are just yeah, fighting to be alive to be alive because um, all the... Uh, I was hurt, hurt really, really, really bad. So, and my lungs got um, hurt so badly um, that I was fighting for my life. And it was good that afterwards that I had the decision um, to go back in media or to say, no, no, I'm done. So I'm here and enjoying my life without you, everyone. Um, and in this time, I had a special WhatsApp group, five people, um, Pumefe on four wheels, because... Um, My nickname is Pummelfee. Yeah, it's all one. It's, they created in the Junior Worlds in 2007, I think. So, um, so I was five of five of the best of the in inner circle, and of course my mama and my papa, so and my sisters. So there has been 10 people who knew what what's happened to me, and yeah, how's my feeling now? And I have been then in these how can I say it, media-free zone um, for two months, two months. And then I go back to the media with a big press conference. I think um, they have Roscoe's to kind of everyone in the world because uh, everyone wants to know how I am now, wheelchair or not, um, and how is my mental health. And I felt that I have to say thank you to all the world because I got I got tons of messages, really tons of messages. When I just um, turn off my phone, it just literally breaks down so, because all the messages come in and I still not answer everything. So it's now three years ago and still have kind of many, many messages unreaded um, because it was just overwhelming. And I felt that I have to say all, everyone, thank you. And uh, here I am. Um, It's me, just of course different, but it's still me. And I'm um, still Christina. And after then six weeks, six months after the um, accident, I was leaving the hospital in my wheelchair, finding the limits now. And um, we, Michael and we have a house, have a house here in Erfurt. And we don't have to change much things because we was really thinking when we built out about How is it when we grandma and grandfather, you know? Um, so the bathrooms are great. We just have to build an elevator here in our house. Well, yeah, long story short. No, thank, thank you for, for sharing that with us. That was, that was amazing. And, you know, I know our listeners can't, can't see you, but we can. And, but we can also hear the energy in your voice and just your thank overall you. positive, positive attitude. And I once heard you say, Just your mind is your limit. And it seems like you've just really found a way. But what was it like to transition from Christina Vogel, the Olympic athlete, to Christina Vogel now, where you are in your life? And maybe tell us a little bit more uh, what you're up to these days. 
Of course, the first weeks have been really hard just to find who I am beside of cycling. Um, I was doing 117 kilograms on squat. And a few weeks later, I started with a half kilogram um, doing, you know, all these rehab things. So um, I was wondering or was thinking, oh, my God, who I am. So doing now daily records in the gym and two weeks later, having here this woodstock, you know, and it is hard. Um, and then not doing track cycling, so not meaning, um, meaning no doing competition, no Olympic Games. I think as um, an athlete and this level, you uh, having all these four years um, planning, you know. So I was in the middle of planning to go into the Olympic Games, and now all the plan is is away. So and it was the first time in my life that I had no plan what to do with myself, and. Now I realized why it's often really hard for athletes when they're retired because it it's kind of this hole everyone's speaking, you know, you're falling in that, just realize who I am besides cycling. And for me it was kind of then easy because when I go back to the media, I get a lot of um, yeah questions and uh, can I go there, there, or um, I have spoke a lot about me and my accident, which helped me a lot to uh, yeah be really fine with it and really yeah kind of tidy up my my inner soul. <laughs> um, and then it's like you just have to start and realize who you are. And um, just I started it and um, still finding out who I am, you know. Um, and I think it's in track cycling, you are, or I was always the athlete winning gold and that's it. So after, after sport, you can't win gold. So no one can give me a gold medal when I'm doing keynote speech really good. So um, I could do it mentally for myself, but no one could give me that. And now it's all these, it's these DNA or the DNS of an athlete. What you're doing, you're doing great. Am I doing things which I burn for? I'm doing things I may I could change the world to a better place. And yeah, that fills me out. And I think it's okay to get to know yourself day by day better and better. So I think everyone is doing that. But as an athlete, you kind of forget that. So I, I, I remember we did an event together with the children's program, mm -hmm. uh, Kinder Joy of Moving. You were on your yeah. uh, on your handy bike. I was on a bike. We had the kids following us, what, about 50 or 60 of them. Um, so you have this public appearances. Do you get enough of a balance between time to yourself to still discover yourself, to find out who you are and all these public um, appearances because sometimes you got to be a different person when you're in public than when you're back home. You find the right balance there. How, how is that uh, for you? Do you sometimes say, I just want to be more time at home or I still like to be out there with all the other uh, people and see what they do? How How is that? Yeah, I'm since 2018, I'm so often in the media and so often doing things um, in front of the camera. So I... I'm always 100% myself, so I think you can't play that role for such a long time when you're changing and, you know, acting. So um, I'm 100% 24-7, I am totally. And yeah, as a competing athlete, you're so much time away from home and not being there and missing all these birthday things and, um, you know, um important meetings with your family and I swear to myself that when I stop my career I am often more more than more than uh, I could do at home but um no <laughs> I'm not I think I'm now oftener oftener on travel and then doing more things than I did before but I really loved it um I'm in a good position that I can choose what I want to do. Um, so it makes it really fun to be in front of the camera, to do these keynote things and um, being kind of back in track cycling because I am a coach for the federal police, for the track cycling athletes, um, which enter the um, sport federation system, um, supporting system in the federal police. And I love that my um, 
Life is so different. So I am a political Namibian news Peter. I will go to the big games for commentating. Um, I'm a coach. So it's great that I have so many different views to the world. Um, and it makes fun. So it's okay um, to be not that often at home. But I could plan my life now um, around all these birthday things, birthday dates, you know. So um it's now better that I can plan kind of better than before. So, I have a friend that recently told me that he has this philosophy about no wasted minutes. And it sounds like you have that same plan. I mean, all the things that you just mentioned, you know, the, the keynote speaking, the coaching, the commentating, um, you know, you're in the world of politics now, for goodness sake. But that you mentioned <laughs> it, going to the Olympics is part of the media. Um, would you ever consider going back as a Paralympic athlete? No, not ever, not ever one minute. Um, because I always think that you have to do things you burn from your inner. So, um, when you do less than hundred percent, you don't have to do it. So don't do it. Um, because you're just wasting your time. And I had to find or have to find, um, a discipline, which, fills me out like track cycling and I do not find it. Um, and I really know that when I am back in any kind of competing sport, I will start at the same level I quit. So it's not that I can start and just growing up. I knew that when all the people know that I'm back in, I don't know, hand cycling or rowing or wheelchair, basketball, I don't know, um, that all the people knows and wanted that I have to win directly these Olympic mm. Paralympics medals, you know, and yeah, I don't want to do it again. So I just want to do it. If I knew this, this discipline, this sport, I love that so much. I want to do it. And I accept that I have to kick my ass more than other people. Um, but I don't find it. So it is okay to have a world beside of a being competing athlete. So. so you go to the um, Olympics, to Tokyo as a commentator, or also you coach a German team, you give some advice to the German team also? Um, as a commentator or expert for Olympic Games, I will flying before the opening ceremony and being the first uh, two weeks the Yeah, ZDF uh, Olympic Expert, which is one of the biggest TV channels we have um, in Germany. We have two, which are, are broadcasting the Olympic Games. Then, of course, Eurosport. So, I'm um, three in total. Um, the, third, the first two weeks being then in studio and doing kind of reporting things, how it's possible, Corona stuff. Um, and when the track cycling event starts, I will commentating in there. So for our and I'm I'm sorry I'm not another coach coach um I have some athletes they are there um which are the um fellow police supporting system which uh, names are Lea Friedrich Timo Bichler and Stefan Bötticher these three are there and um, I'm kind of more than a guider a guider um Than a, than a coach there. They had their national coach, and I think you are surrounded from so many so many people who are always, you know, telling you something, and uh, then your brain is just, you know, um, it's good that someone just guiding it, not coaching. Yeah, somebody telling them, look, listen, don't listen to anyone. Go to your room, chill out, yeah. close the curtains, sleep for an hour. Don't listen to 20 yeah. different people. Um, yeah. Just a little explanation for our uh, listeners. The TV stations uh, Christina was talking about, we would basically, you guys in uh, England would call it national TV. It's our two biggest change. Yeah. They would host all yeah. the big matches at the Olympics, at the Soccer World Cups, World Championships in any sport. It's national TV and Christina is working for them, our biggest national TV station. Well, Christina, I, I'm just blown away. That was such a great interview. Thank you so much for your time. You know, the, the people that you touch, the athletes that you help guide, like you just mentioned, are they, they don't know how lucky they are. I mean, just meeting you for the first time and having this conversation, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on to Bobby thank and you. Jens and sharing some of your time with us. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> we did, yes. We absolutely did. Christina, you were wonderful as a guest. Well... 
That's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Christina for being our guest. Thank you all for listening. Please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a Value News production in association with Chuck Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mossa. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. Whether it's riding with new people you met on the platform or just riding with old teammates, the people that Zwift connects you with push you harder than you could ever push yourself, let alone when it's just you on the trainer in your garage or pain cave. My next favorite part is the training. Training is a huge part of Zwift. There are literally hundreds of customizable training plans you can choose from. And every workout is an immersive experience that can take you from Zwift's world-class climbs to the streets of London, New York, or even to a new Japanese-inspired world. Those are just a few of the nine unique worlds you can explore. Many times, I find myself just riding around, checking out the sites and seeing new little Easter eggs they've hidden in the game. When I'm riding one of the UCI championship courses or in the jungle on the gravel roads or inside a volcano, hey, I'm just taking it all in. Time seems to fly by, but I can still manage to get a great workout in every time. If you want to compete in races that put your training to the test and see if you're headed in the right direction, you can. There's a new event starting every five minutes, including massive group rides, races for every category, and even time trials. Right now, you can join the Fun is Fast event series with training rides, races, and thousands of other riders from around the world to chase. It's really never been easier to find your fun training indoors. I love it. All you need to get started is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Zwift, where fun is fast.